to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up, uh, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 175. Hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang. Not really sure where you ended up, but fine, Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. Still in the uh, COVID quarantine, but seems like we're getting close to being let out but we are still in undisclosed locations around sugarland we're not pastors we're just regular guys and uh this is the no church answers tour and each of us are on our own spiritual journey and that's why most of our audience uh tunes in weekly So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts on our website, man-upspiritualoasis.com, or even on pray.com, we're glad that you're joining us. And what we do here is we basically take a Bible scripture that is suited for an ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or a Sunday School lesson, and we go over it, we update it, we put a man spin on it and discuss it with our panel. And we have some great guys here. And he's a world-class policy writer, professional gambler, and our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, also Steve. In- hey, Steve. <laughs> hey, Steve. <laughs> we have an attorney and a prosecutor and... We call him the judge. That's Michael Cropper. You're Mike. Hey, Mike. Uh, Mike. <laughs> and a corporate trainer with a Fortune, not 500, a Fortune 100 company. And we kind of call him the uh, theologian and the professor, Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Robert. And, and my name is Bill Cox, and I'm the host, and I'm basically a contractor kind of salesman type. And they call me the director uh, as long as they don't call me late for supper. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah, Bill. We, right? and, uh, we typically use very different publications. This is a Baptist Way Press where this one's entitled Living in the Spirit. A Connect 360, Righteousness, Peace, and Joy is the uh, uh, subtitle, I I believe, in it. And uh, this particular lesson comes from Romans. And so what we'll do is just basically go around the room real quick and uh, get some uh, impressions of this week's lesson uh, from the panel and start with Mr. Steve Titch. This is really where we get to talk about joy in the spirit, um, and I think we're going to talk about it quite a bit going forward. But it's also, for me, in, and I think for many other Christians across all denominations, it's almost the hardest thing to grasp, even though it's the simplest thing. And that is, you've been forgiven once and for all, and that that liberates you from from a cycle of 
sin atonement sacrifice and Paul, Paul is really driving that home point. We're going to read an excerpt from Romans. And of course, Romans, the whole letter itself is a, is a massive theological statement. And, but here's, here's the most, maybe the most important takeaway is that grace is free. And once you, once that's accepted, it changes your whole, it opens the door. It opens the door to relationship with, with, uh, God and Christ, which wasn't there before, and we'll we'll talk about that as it goes along. But but really, that's uh, there's some real good news in this. Excellent. And uh, Michael Cropper, uh, yeah, Bill. Um, we, as you said, we're going to go through Romans eight one through four. It's only four scriptures, but they are just packed. They're dynamite. They address both the law of spirit life and both our sinful nature. Now, before we go into that, I would like to make a few comments about Paul. And, and before we dive into it, you've got to know a little bit about Romans 7 prior to it and how he's getting into that first statement, that first scripture, that, that there is <coughs> no, no condemnation. And, and today's text that we're going to look at is from Paul explaining the reasons we should walk according to the Holy Spirit. And the book is on the Holy Spirit. Robert has expressed over and over how he looks forward to talking about the Holy Spirit. And I agree with him. Yes, there is, it's tremendous. And this few set of scriptures will talk about the importance of walking in the Spirit. However, as I mentioned just now, you cannot understand the importance of walking in the Spirit without reviewing <laughs> Romans chapter 7 or a few scriptures from it. The Holy Spirit gives us freedom to walk without guilt or of our sin. And, and, and as Steve said, that results in a great joy. Uh, Romans 7, to me, is Paul's confession chapter. Paul is an apostle who we refer to as a super saint, or at least I do. In 7, it's hard for us to believe that Paul struggled with sin. And it's hard for us to believe that Paul struggled with the desires to do wrong. But he did. Before we begin to today's lesson, it's important to read a couple of scriptures from Romans 7, along with the scripture, is a comment by an author or myself. And, and one of those scriptures is Romans 7, 14. Paul makes the comment and he says, for we know the law is spiritual, but he says, I am carnal and I am sold under sin. And the comment from the person that made this commentary says, this is Paul. And he's saying, this is my condition. I am carnal. Carnal. I am made of flesh, I am weak, I am feeble, I am faltering, I sin, I am I have human flesh. I don't like it, I wish it were different, but it's true, and I'm sold under sin. And there is in me, even as a believer, something that resists the will of God that urges me to live independently of God and to go my own way and do my own thing. And then the second scripture, folks, you're all familiar with this. I believe if you've read any of the Bible or gone to the church at all. <laughs> Roman, Romans 7, 15, and 16, and it says, Paul states, for what I am doing, I do not understand. What I will to do, I, that I do not practice, but what I hate that do. And this is what, referring back to the other scripture I said, where Paul says, I desire to do sinful things, and I can't control myself. Paul is exasperated. He does not understand why he desires to do what is wrong. And I must say, Guys, I am greatly relieved when I read Romans and I did it several times. I began to understand it. And I thought, you know, I'm the only person who consistently is plagued by the desire to commit the same sin. 
I have a handle on 99 sins, but one particular sin I may do over and again. And this was a relief to me, especially when, when Bill reads the context we're going to read in Romans 8. But deliverance, Paul asks us, oh, wretched man that I am, who is going to deliver me from this body of death that I live or dwell in? Then Paul answers his own question in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. And then we are going to go in the text, which uh, Bill will read in just a few moments. Bill? Excellent. And uh, Professor? Yeah, so Paul, Paul, is, Paul is often referred to as the 13th disciple. He is often referred to as Judas Iscariot's real replacement. Um, Paul had a unique experience meeting Jesus um, on the Damascus Road. He actually, my feeling is, based on what we know about Paul and his life, he was probably in the Sanhedrin the night they condemned Jesus to death. I, I would be a harshly a betting man on that one. And be willing in Steve's term to lay it on the line and let it ride. Because I really do think Paul was there. It, but Paul meets Jesus after he gets letters from the chief priest that lets him go to Damascus to grab a bunch of people and throw them in jail or stone them for being followers of Jesus at this point. Followers of the way. It's what we've referred to him as. And so Paul goes through all that. But then Paul suffered. Get, has his conversion moment, and Paul, as Mike pointed out, becomes the great theologian of the church. Romans is the absolute best theology of the Christian faith. Soup to nuts, it is the great one. So to have Paul write about having what's, what we're going to talk about, the joy of the Spirit, is really important because you're looking at the premier theologian of the new church writing about what it takes. And as Mike said, I, I really like it, as you said, Mike, put it in the context of, you know, dealing with sin on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so we're going to have a great discussion as we go through this. Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. It's uh, Romans, Romans chapter eight, one through four. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Steve, I noticed that you had a couple of extra notes uh, on this particular uh, passage. Well, be before Steve oh, goes, can, can oh, I read okay. it in the message? Oh, and, yeah, and I, 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 I wanted to do Sorry, that because yeah. when y'all hear this, you will hear this is the men's translation by the way, of this, and, and you'll get it when I read it, but this is from the message, and just so everybody knows, what Bill read is from the English Standard uh, Version, ESV is what it's commonly referred to, was this one, and I'm a huge, huge fan of reading things in different translations. Um, this was written in Greek originally, and, you know, and it's not Greek, like most of the Greek that people read here 
It's <coughs> could a Greek person today read it? Yes. Would it be different? Yes. It would be like us trying to go read old English. You know, we could make it out, but right. yeah, it's not going to make any sense to us. So this is the message translation of uh, Eugene Peterson's. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. And in his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the spirit is doing in us. And, and y'all get why I said that's the men's translation, man. It went for the jugular. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, well, actually, Peterson's language here in his translation brings home how, how awesomely revolutionary and... Um, Really, revolutionary is the word here about it because, and and Mike set this up well. Paul was a Pharisee. If anybody, he well, he understood the law as much as anyone uh, in you know among the elders and the Pharisees of of the Jewish leaders at the time. And he probably, I agree, he probably was certainly in the Sanhedrin at Jesus' trial. His his story picks up what could be really months, maybe no more than a year after, after Jesus's ascension, you know, comes Stephen's uh, martyrdom. Yes. Um, so, but, but where I'm going with this, he's, and, and he writes this in, he writes his dilemma. And, and first of all, one, one way we should look at this is that he, he doesn't get into the judgment of sinning. He practically says, you, he, well, he says, you can't avoid it. It's, it's, it's deep in the system as much. He, write, he, he, he says, basically, the problem, the problem with the law is that you spend too much time in a, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Um, you sin, and then you've got to make your sacrifice, and then you've reached your atonement, and that and you're doing that all the time. If we go through the Old Testament, we talked about the uh, the the temple a few weeks ago. How you know it was constant. Um, you know, probably sun up to sundown, sacrifices going on, people coming to atone for their sins, and and it's all spelled out in in the Old Testament in the law how you're supposed to do this. Here comes Christ crucified, and Paul says that cycle is over. That crucifixion was the once and for all atonement and sacrifice. You are now free from sin. 
And now that doesn't mean, and he's kind of, he talks about this. That doesn't mean you could go out and do what you want. You're still expected to sin and you're still going to fall short. He, he writes that in, in, in chapter seven, but you're not constantly under the cloud. What, what your, your sin is forgiven now that, that, that all that atonement and that cloud that kept you, that kept getting in the way of relationship is gone. And you can begin that sanctification process. And that, I mean, even church fathers have had a problem grasping that. Um, you, you, you know, well, what else do you got to do? You know, and, uh, but at the end of the day, what, what Paul is saying here, if you have a checklist, you're, if you have a checklist that's you're approaching religion the wrong way, you're approaching your faith the wrong way. The checklist is gone. You're not, did I do this today or did I do that today? And now what do I got to do to fix things? And then you got to fix it. And then next day you're doing the same thing. And you're so busy in this cycle of sin, sacrifice, and atonement that you lose the relationship. And that's the good news here, people. This, it's, you, you are now free. And, and, and what becomes, rather than the checklist, is where this comes, is your, your surrender to the Holy Spirit. And then we come in, you know, we can talk about the paradox. And it strikes me as almost a paradox that we gain freedom, freedom from the law by submitting and, sac and, and, submitting, um, and, and surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Uh, which again is is kind of difficult to grasp. Now I'll leave it to the other guys to, to elaborate. <laughs> before, before we take before we take the break, I was thinking about this particular lesson and trying to trying to give it a, a man's spin. Now it, think about it this way: if you're a man out there and you're creating your own company. You have the not only what you actually do, but you have the minutia of the bookkeeping, the prospecting, the advertising, the collecting, in addition to what the actual job that you do. <clears throat> Whereas in Christ, because they set the rules essentially, you are free to do what you do and not have to worry about the minutia that goes with setting all those rules. So by having, by submitting, you are more free to be the real you. And so with that, we're gonna go ahead and take our first break. Man Up, we will be right back. You're listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. It's brought to you by Man Up Media. I'm Pastor Chris Busher, and hey, I know these guys. Their podcast is gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Facebook under Man Up, and all other podcasts are archived on SoundCloud and now even on Pray.com app. They're not pastors, but they're very reliable, regular guys, and that's why their No Church Answers tour movement is growing so fast. So for The Uncommon Man by Equally Uncommon Men, contact ManUp at www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now back to the podcast and fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 175. Hard to believe. 
And we are talking about <clears throat> joy in the spirit and Romans 8, 1 through 4 were the verses. And go ahead and pick back up on the discussion. But, uh, but like I said, before I, I turned it over to uh, the professor, is that it to me, it just kind of just reminded the difference in submitting to the rules gives you a freedom to be the real you. And that's what I was talking about before the break. And uh, Professor. Well, I'm going to chime in on that very quickly. And then I'm going to jump into something else I had for because I, I really want Mike to comment on, on the second thing <laughs> that I've got. And, and you'll see why. But I agree with you, Bill. And let me tell you, and that's a great analogy, actually. So my wife, my wife has worked for multiple law firms, and my son has too. And I can tell you right now, you know who the absolute worst business guys I've ever seen in my entire life were? No offense, Mike. A bunch Attorneys. of lawyers. <laughs> thank, thank because you that wasn't their <laughs> thing. They got tied up in, like you said, Bill, the recruiting the hiring, the firing, the bookkeeping, the, the, you know, making sure, did we have a good janitorial service? Did we, you know, they got involved in all that stuff and that that's a great analogy for how we're freed from the law. Now, in light of my other, I actually pulled up there. There's actually, it's a little known translation called the Orthodox Jewish Bible. I find it rather intriguing to read periodically and it takes some Hebrew and kind of interprets the New Testament scripture based on that. And verse one says, therefore, now there is no Gizardin verdict of Hashem guilty. No ha harshaha condemnation is guilty for those in Moshiach Yushia, Jesus, the Messiah. In that, and then in verse four, in that the Melachakat, the full statute requirement of the Torah might be fulfilled. And, and I love that. And, and this is why I wanted to go jump to Mike. Y'all got it because there's no verdict of guilty or condemnation for those who are in Jesus because the full statute requirement of the law was filled in Jesus. And that, that's an intriguing read when, I, when you sit and think about it. And it really goes to what Steve was talking about where, you know, you're not under this cloud all the time from it. Right. Right. Michael Cropper. Yes, I agree with Robert. He got he started to train down the right track. I have a definition of condemn, uh, which, of course, is a verb of condemnation. Uh, condemn means to express an unfavorable. And it's very good until we get to the antonyms at the end. That's very good. The verb is condemn is to express. And of course, condemnation is the act of uh, to express an unfavorable or adverse judgment on like Robert said, and indicate a strong disapproval of that. A second, a second uh, definition of it is to pronounce to be guilty, as Robert said, a sentence one to punishment, to condemn a murderer, for instance, to life imprisonment. Uh, another definition is to give grounds or reason for convicting or censuring. In other words, his acts condemn him. This is an example. And then finally, the good one, which, which we've talked about and Paul talks about, is to declare to be morally wrong or evil. Now, 
Condemnation itself, like Robert said, is strong disapproval, a criticism of someone's actions. Actions. Now, the great part is the antonyms to condemnation. And you read that first line. There is therefore now no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus. So what happens when they have no condemnation? They're absolved. This is an antonym to condemnation. Absolved of their sin. They are acquitted of their sins or acquitted of their, their, their unrighteousness. They are cleared. They are exculpated. They are exonerated. And finally, they are vindicated through Christ. Okay. Thank you, Robert. I have so a question very quickly. Yeah. Different difference between not guilty and and um, vindicated. As you said, use the word vindicated and and I'm trying to think of a good vindicated kind of, I, mean, I would just, say just, for instance if if you if you stood up and saved someone's life and unfortunately hurt another person who is going to injure one one person, you can be vindicated for that. It's a type of affirmative defense or something. Or you you come up with a defense that that says while the law says you're guilty of this, you have a defense that says <laughs> under certain Ooh. conditions you can do this. And, and to protect another one, you, is that is that correct? Am I am I saying that correct? You can defend it. I, I believe so, yeah. and I really like right. it. Steve. Right. Wow. I want to well, I I want to shift things because we're all vindicated now, and we're all yes, set we free. And so, what takes what takes place? What takes the place of the law? And Paul is emphatic. That does not suddenly mean we can go out and do what we want. But this is, I think, where the Holy Spirit comes in, because we now we don't have to really worry about the minutia and the law. We can we can we can pray and ask for guidance and follow the Holy Spirit. And certainly, certainly there are clues as to what God sees as a good life, more than a clues. God tells us what's a what is a good life in in the Bible throughout. Um, but he, he there's more to it than the law. And I was looking at some examples. This is what the Holy Spirit, freedom, I think, means in finding freedom in the Holy Spirit means that, say, the commandment says, do not commit adultery. Um, the Holy, that's, that's the law. The Holy Spirit, we can ask, help me be committed and faithful in marriage. And if I follow the Holy Spirit and surrender to the Holy Spirit, he will guide me that way. Rather than the don'ts, the Holy Spirit also helps us find the joy in that marriage, in the companionship, in the relationship, in the shared lives. And, you know, in many cases throughout the Bible, our relationship with God is equated with the idea of marriage. Uh, and of course, in our marriages, what the, the key thing is both sides, both individuals are committed to continuing that marriage. We're going to solve we're, we're not going to we break up. That's not, you know, if it, it's in our culture, we tend to do that maybe a little too easily. Nonetheless, and when you enter into a Christian marriage, there is a hope and intention to remain married. Um, 
But it's more than just, you know, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to go out late at night anymore. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to look at other women. That, that's, you know, there's the analogy. You're, you're not, it's not, it's not imprisoning you. And kind of it's, the joke is, the sad joke is in our culture that for men, marriage is the ring in the nose. You know, you're going to go home. It's not going to be any more fun anymore. But the truth is, it's, it's really not. And that, and and that's one of the more countercultural things about Christianity that um, there is liberation in marriage because you are suddenly in 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 a in a good marriage another uh, you are free to be your individual and you're free to free of the judgment from that individual but you've got that love respect uh, together and and that opportunity to grow as as two people. Uh, in a in a in a in a in a in a deep relationship, uh, I'll give you one. Think, I'll give you one more example. Just as okay. law does, covet. Do not covet. You can think of lots of others. But do not covet. The spirit can lead you to help you live within your means. You know, it it doesn't. It it can keep you. It can keep you focused on your goals, your financial goals, living within your means, um, working toward your dreams rather than you trying to get past what the other guy has, keeping up with the Joneses, looking at that Mercedes Benz or Lexus, or looking at that bigger house with the pool and feeling, oh, why, why can't I have that? Again, I think that's what we mean when it comes to turning your life to the, over to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will keep you in, the, in God's ways. And you don't have to, you're not doing it alone because, you know, as Paul goes back to it, do it alone. You're going to get frustrated. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this as well. And to bring in an agriculture uh, type of uh, example, men are the, the, the male condition is to get things done is to accomplish things. That's, that's what we as men do. That's why we're the explorers. That's why we're the adventurers. That's why we're the ones that go off to war. We feel deeply about stuff, but we're also adventurous and we're the alpha, we're the alpha males. Now you take an animal that is a say a strong horse. If you have the strong horse just wandering around in the pen, nobody knows what the horse is going to do. As a matter of fact, the horse itself does not know what it's going to do. You put a yoke on that horse, you team it up with another horse with a yoke on it and hook a plow behind it. That horse has direction and has something to accomplish. And that horse all of a sudden gets focus, gets direction, and gives a hard, honest effort that it absolutely will not do if left to its own devices. Same condition with men. We work better when we have a framework of what we are going to accomplish. And I think what Paul's setting forward for us is a set of guidelines. Within this, you will accomplish a lot. 
I think it's one of those that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do the to do the do's without having to worry about the don'ts. And it it it's one of those things where the world wants to turn Christianity into a boring whatever you want to call us with a list of with with a bunch of with a big list of big list of don'ts. And in reality, Christianity is a bunch of list of do's. You know, do pray, do read your Bible, do serve others, do care for other people, do care about the disadvantaged and the poor and the people who are out there, you know, that don't have the things we have. You know, that's the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is that Christ came to save the world. And because of that, we have the ability to go and help serve others and help protect those. And, and I, well, well, I think, you know, you brought it up. You talk to a uh, average non-Christian that isn't, doesn't participate in church, doesn't go doesn't get to know the people, doesn't participate. And they'll just look at men, for example, that are there in the church. Oh, that's just a nice guy. Okay. What they don't realize is what a difference, a lifetime of service, those nice guys have made in life. You get to know them. You get to participate with them. Just right off the top of my head, Jimmy. Jimmy has made over 30 mission trips to Mexico when not only was it not fashionable, but it wasn't even safe to go. And he did. And you just, you get to know the stories. It's not just a bunch of nice people like you would expect. Those men are putting forth a concerted effort. They are warriors for Christ. I would agree with you, Bill. And uh, Robert, on what you were saying, I, I agree too. We actually have a lot of pluses in our present situation as being Christians. In fact, the old law did too. The law had a lot of positives. It said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So you've got a positive and a negative in there at the same time. Worship the Lord your God with all your heart and don't serve anybody else. Now, the, the, uh, just the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. But Solomon and many other places in the Bible, the, Bible, the, uh, the, uh, the Lord gives us a direction to marry a wife and enjoy the wife of our youth. Enjoy them. Have a great time. So what has happened and what happened was as they began to interpret the laws, they, they started out being positive. Um, they had to, de they detailed them in 100, 613 different details. Paul even says the law became so, well, I said the law became so vast it became difficult to keep, like uh, Steve said. There's because it became a bunch of thou shall nots instead of thou shall do this and this and this. 
So is the law bad? No. Paul, in fact, said the law, the law was good and holy. Now, this is before Christianity. He said the law was good and holy, Romans 2.13. The law is holy and the commandment, holy, just, and good, Romans 7.12. The law is spiritual, Romans 7.14. And Paul teaches us that God provided the Mosaic law to teach us what is right and point us in the right direction. This is in Romans 7, 7. It teaches us also what we should not do. And Paul said, I delight in the law of God by his inward man, Romans 7, 22. And, and then through the scriptures, he says, the Holy Spirit actually, well, first of all, the law is good and righteous, right? And it took the Holy Spirit bring us back into recognizing that when we let the Holy Spirit guide us and lead us, we naturally do the things that are told us what to do in the law and what not to do. It's in our hearts. The Holy, play, the Holy Spirit displaces those negative desires within us as we grow in the Lord, and it becomes a guidance to do positive things. And in fact, like I said, it'll bring us to the law again, and we will naturally do the things that are positive and good for us. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take uh, our final break. Once again, this is Man Up, podcast number 175. We will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. Have a great discussion going here on our podcast. Uh, Joy in the Spirit. Uh, kind of want to get uh, Steve Titch uh, in on this discussion. Well, as I said, it, it's really about leaving the checklist behind, which is hard, not just for you know non-Christians to, to comprehend, Christians, I think every denomination, nobody, no, nobody's innocent, um, has felt some, I'm going to call it a compulsion, to stick rules in that aren't there. Um, the uh, uh, former Catholic, that was, that was one thing that, that I was really happy to get out from under in the Catholic Church. And, and, and I'm, because I'm, I was there, I'm going to speak to my claim to being able to talk about it. But it's very much the the the, the sacrament of is confession includes a penance. Now, if I, if I have to bash the Protestants for a while, I think I think a lot of the cases they give up that that idea of confession in their liturgy. But leaving, the, I'll get to the Baptists in a minute. Um, the, the, uh, no, but but, but we, that we penance, it's, it's actually close to a recreation of what that temple experience was, where 
you're always in trouble with dad. And just like in real life, you really, you know, you know that feeling of being a teenager. Wait till your father gets home. That's that's what it that's what it is because you know you're gonna have to go explain yourself to you know what what did you do you you broke a window with a baseball you know you may not have meant to you broke a window with a baseball you scratched the car you know you you got in trouble in school you're gonna have to you know you're always disappointing your father <laughs> you know that's the the, the male condition <laughs> fathers and sons right. so so um and 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 getting on this so. You'd, you'd go to confession and then you do your penance. And, and the issue of doing that penance is the idea that, well, you've got to do this to be forgiven. And no, 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 no. That's, and, and, and Al, you can engage with me in the, in the comments. Fine. That is, that is not required. That is clearly biblically it's set out. It's your, you cannot do anything to attain your salvation. It is a, it is a gift from the Lord. Now, to give equal time to the Baptist, because I'm attending a Baptist church, nowhere in the Bible does it say you can't dance. In fact, there's a lot of dancing in the Bible. <laughs> that you cannot drink alcohol. There's and, 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 and there's that that there's all these do's. I mean, I, I, there's nowhere in the Bible, I guarantee you, that you cannot, that you know, you're you are not allowed to listen to rock music or rap, although I've heard that in Baptist church. I'm I'm waiting to see where, <laughs> where, where I haven't found where, that yet. Where, where, I have uh, looked for it too and not it, found it. It's so, Bash the Baptist. So 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 I'm missing. So, so I'm giving equal time to everybody. Yeah. Uh, feel free to. That's good, uh, and, and, but but it does, this is but where I'm going with this this idea that getting past that and it opens the door to relationship and for men especially because you know where I, I we understand an authority relationship and uh, we imagine never being in trouble with your dad whatever you do. Your dad is 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 going to say you're forgiven, and you're 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 not in trouble with God anymore. Is maybe where I'm going. It's been taken care of. The price has been paid. The penalty has been paid. The you know the law has been fulfilled. Walk humbly with God, and you'll find yourself in line with His commandments, and in line not just with the letter of the commandments, but much more important with the spirit of. The commandments where with where really that's where we look at how jesus lived the law and you know we we accept the fact that jesus without with, without sin he healed on the sabbath we talked all about this in the past go back on some of our podcasts but yeah you're the 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 spirit you will live in the spirit of the law which is much more important than living the letter of the law but that's where the holy spirit comes in Excellent. We're getting down to uh, the end of the podcast. Want to just uh, get some final thoughts and takeaways uh, from the panel, and uh, start with Michael Cropper. All righty, Bill. Um, practical application: When we have, when we've done a lot of things which are right, and we do one bad thing. Uh, again, I'm going to but probably refer to, but I, I I have learned this in myself. Uh, we often do just a whole bunch of right things and we will stumble and do one thing wrong. We often dwell on the bad things. Sometimes this is Satan or sometimes it's our flesh condemning us over and over. However, what I see from the Holy Spirit and what I see from that first phrase and, and, and of course the four scriptures that you read, Bill, is there is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus, it isn't the Holy Spirit that's condemning us unless we do something we know we shouldn't be doing. But in, for the most part, if we, we try to do well all the time. We try to follow God's laws. They're good. They're directed to draw us closer to him. Anyway, we do one wrong thing. So even though mature believers ourselves experience consistent victory over sin, we still have a daily struggle against the flesh, and occasionally we will lose that battle. So we must understand how to deal with guilt and how to overcome temptation. When we do sin as Christians, the enemy will come in sometimes to stir up doubts about our salvation. How do you know that your sins are forgiven? Are you really truly a Christian? Because true Christians, he will ask, don't do what you just did. He'll condemn us. You're hopeless. You might as well admit your hypocrisy in claiming to be a Christian and quit trying to be holy. It's those practical issues that Paul directs in these verses which we have been studying, especially the one in Romans 8, 1 through 4, and Paul addresses how you do not feel those sinful things and the nature does not condemn you, and that's simply you walk in the Holy Spirit, and you walk with the Spirit, and of course the purpose of the Spirit is to draw us closer to God, to teach us about Christ, to direct us to Christ, and when we do that, when we allow ourselves and when we ask God to guide us to do that as men, we should be acting, asking practically for the direction that will free us from the guilt of our sins if we do commit them. And if not, as Steve says, there is a great joy whenever you actually allow the Holy Spirit to come over you and remind you of the 99 things that you did right and not the one bad thing that you may have done wrong while trying to accomplish all these things to serve the Lord, then the Holy Spirit will give you a great joy in leading and following Christ. Okay, Bill. Excellent. Uh, professor. Yeah, it, it really is. The joy in the spirit that we talk about here really enables us to live our lives. Um, because otherwise, we're, we are guilty. And it does vindicate us. And having that joy allows us to live our life completely. That really, you know, that that's the end-all, be-all of this lesson, is that, is that the, the spirit and the forgiveness that we have is the hope of total forgiveness that has wiped our slate clean. Or I actually liked, I actually liked the uh, use of vind vindicated, and I liked Mike's deal because we're all guilty under the law. But we've been paid, and so we're vindicated because of Christ's sacrifice. Yeah, Robert, there were two more words. Sorry to, and I, I somehow left them out. I moved to another section. The Holy Spirit, and we are also pardoned from our sin, right? And That's a good one too, yeah. Right, I know you like it. And we have received a reprieve from our sin as well and the wrongdoings that we've done. Okay. That's excellent. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is excellent. And I just wanted to add that we are to live our faith, which is active. We're not to analyze our faith. So the only people that don't make mistakes are the people that don't do anything. So as we go through this life as men and leaders of our circle of influence, our families, at work, in our community, in our church, expect 
to make mistakes, but expect to be led by God and to be forgiven and uh, move forward, be bold in your action and take action. And, and, that, and that's what I get from this particular lesson. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in. This is podcast number 175. On behalf of uh, our producer, Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, the judge, Robert Koshu, the professor, and my name is Bill Cox, and I'm the director. This is the No Church Answers Tour. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, our website, which is at man-upspiritualoasis.com or pray.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page, which is at uh, man-upspiritualoasis.com and uh, just post it there. And if you're still in quarantine or, and are unable to uh, attend a church, check out the Sugarland Baptist streaming service. It is a traditional Baptist service at slbc.org. It starts Sunday at 945 and you can go ahead and put it on the biggest screen in your house and enjoy a traditional Baptist service. But when quarantine is over, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go. Go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or a Sunday school class that you can join for discussions just like this. And find one that is men only. And if there is one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man. Created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.